Hola, and welcome to the Beauteous Me podcast, a relatable and authentic space for all. Tune in as we share stories of triumph, resiliency, and healing. We do this all while finding its inner beauty. My name is Jamily Whitfield, and the journey begins now. Hi, guys. Welcome back for another episode of the Beauteous Me podcast. I have Birdie Lynn, who is a proud mother of one son who is attending college for industrial engineering. Go, mom. She is also a CEO and founder of R-E-A-M-E-L-L-C, a real estate technology company, and Birdie Lynn, a publishing company. Birdie sits on the National IREM Foundation Board and actively volunteers with the Real Estate Association program. She holds a BA from the University of Texas, Arlington. Birdie enjoys entrepreneurship and strategizing new ways to make a positive difference in people's lives. She attends Alfred Street Baptist Church virtually and has been a member since 2013. Her greatest joy lies in seeing others become happy and self-sufficient, finding peace in their own. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Birdie, for being here. So (laughs) excited. I, you know, we were chit-chatting a little bit before I pressed play, but I'm so happy to talk about your book and sounds weird to say happy to talk about trauma, but your book sat with me so much. Your book is called Through the Storm of Early Trauma. And I just want you to tell a little bit about this book and your story, um, what inspired you behind it. Um, So a little bit about my book um, and thank you, by the way, for having me. I wanted to write my story to initially just release it, to get it, you know, just off my, my chest and face all of those truths. I didn't actually want to publish it. <laughs> so <laughs> I decided to publish it in April of, of last year because I started to see all of the abuse going on in the homes now that children were at home you know, doing homeschool basically from their computers or the virtual classrooms. And so all of the incidents that came up of, you know, sexual abuse and and things like that going on in the home, physical abuse, it was, it just triggered back to why, like for me, the importance of what I went through and why, you know, it's just, I don't want children to feel as if they were alone nor any adults who may have, it may have triggered their memories mm-hmm. um, for whatever they went through by watching that on the news um, and hearing those stories that they still hadn't shed or released, you know, that trauma. So I just felt like at that point it was beyond me. Um, I didn't want to be selfish and I wanted to share uh, stories that impacted my, you know, my life significantly. So, and changed my personality of, who I would have been most likely going for it. Um, I was, you know, young, happy, innocent little girl running around at five and at six, you know, trauma hit. My heart just went out for for those those children that I, I saw and I can only imagine that cameras didn't catch. So I wanted to get it out there. And um, also just with the, the tumultuous year we had last year, I mean, the protesting, the anger, people running around, hurt people, hurting people. And I'm like, it, we, we've got to start the conversation. We've got to just move forward. We've got to stop. Yeah. So I wanted to do my part. And although I was jo- enjoying a very cathartic movement in my life of releasing all of this, I 
wanted to, at the end, have everyone else be able to do the same if that's what they choose. Part of your story is that you quite literally ran away from your problems. What did that experience teach you about tackling your trauma? Because you also talk about, you know, I know you broke your story into two parts. You you mentioned that you wanted the age group at the beginning who you you had a, a sensitive moment that you were able to talk about lightly about the trauma from your early on years, but you got really pretty deep into it for those who can handle it towards the end. What did this experience teach you about tackling your trauma? To face it always is easier when there's something that just presents itself, you know, whatever it may be. It could even be the news of cancer or just, you know, whatever it is. I mean, like that's extreme. But honestly, how many times do you hear of cancer patients who had the diagnosis and all of a sudden they just started meditating and, you know, focusing on what was positive in life and the cancer went into remission and it's gone. Mm-hmm. And so therein lies the the key, the the secret to what's going on inside of your body, what's going on inside of your head is focusing on what matters, focusing on the positive, focusing on you, self-care, self-love. And that's something that when I truly started to focus on that and just take steps that I took to kind of go down the line and release, man, it just felt like bricks were just lifted off that I didn't even know were there and I felt free. There was a, a recently a show I was just a part of and the moderator said, you don't look like you've been through anything. And, you know, I mean, she, she meant it in the way, you know, like, you know, kudos to me, but I was just like, yeah, so this is what trauma, you know, this is what your life looks like after you've released that trauma, because you don't, you're not, it's not weighing on you. You don't have to say, well, it's me and please please feel sorry for me. And all of this, you're able to then speak your story with strength to empower others, because how could I go and say, yeah, I went through this and, and then I'm just, you know, breaking down and I'm just so ne- negative about it. I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Like they're trying to be there for you. Like they needed to be lifted. So I try to just make sure that I remain strong. But that was the reason of breaking it up into two parts. Because in my adult life, there are some topics that <laughs> kids don't need to really be a part of. Yeah. You, so you said something in your book that was interesting and I just I just had to throw it out there because you said how the person said you don't look like you've been through trauma but you also said that you were a preacher's kid and preacher's kid knew how to turn it on and turn it right back off so at home whatever was crumbling crumbled and then when you walked in it was like tension so you know as a therapist I will say resiliency is obviously with you because you knew how to turn things on and off and sharing your journey sharing your healing uh, sharing your dra- your trauma shows right in in who and how you're showing up and how you want to help other people. So I just want people to understand what trauma looks like, resiliency looks like, and also when you're able to tell your story and healing because it, you can turn it on, but inside if you haven't done the resiliency or the healing, then your everything could be crumbling and you're showing up so different. So I just wanted to throw Absolutely. that in as a caveat. Yeah, that's what feels good because at first when I was turning it on, it was, I felt fake. I felt like a pretender, like an imposter. And it's funny because, I mean, I didn't share this in the book, but there was one day I remember 
my mom and my dad were arguing in the car. I mean, just I didn't think we were even going to have church. Like we were going to make it to the door. Like they were going at it. And me and my sister in the backseat, like, God, like, you know, just, and they get to the church, they pull up. We have the people waiting outside to welcome them. And they get out of the car and they're like, Hey, it's such so, so, blah, 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 blah. and me and my sister look at each other and we're like, uh, and so we had to get up like, you know, like everything was okay. And then we see my mom and dad like, Oh yeah. <laughs> and, <you> know, <laughs> and I'm like, this is so fake. And yeah. so you can only imagine hearing him on the pulpit. Then after that, I'm like, yo, you fake. Like it turned right. me off. <laughs> it turned me off. I actually admire you so much because you would think that after what you experienced with your father's abusive ways is that you would completely be turned off from the church because it's easy to associate a full character with someone, right? A full persona. So you know your dad as dad church, dad church, not dad, dad church, because he like literally beat preachings, if you will, into you guys. And you to continue with your faith just shows it just shows that your faith was separate, completely separate from your dad. And I think that's important just, you know, to put out there and giving you kudos for that. <laughs> yeah, I I ended up finding my own relationship with mm-hmm. with God, like in my mid twenties, because I was so angry with him for allowing all of this stuff to happen. Mm-hmm. And I really had to that I was playing the blame game and I wanted to, you know, people to take accountability for it. One of the things that I shared in the book is that my, my, my dad's words to me when we found out, you know, about me having an STI, well, I had several, I didn't even know about, I was young. I didn't know what that was, but they, he said that no one's ever going to want me. And it was my fault because I I ran away and, and that I carried that with me until all the way up through my thirties until I went to, you know, started doing professional therapy and our professional counseling. And she, she said, you know, you may have ran away. Yes. You know, you may have been in this rebellious stage, but it was never your fault that you were raped. Mm -hmm. And I don't want you to continue to think that that should not have happened regardless Mm -hmm. of what you did, you know, to be in the Mm -hmm. next that helped me yes so I know you've been through a lot and one thing that stood out for me in your book especially because I uh, work also with teenagers and I work with adult women um is the anger piece and so in your book you said I was a young girl with no soul angry and mad at the low cards life had dealt me how did you move past that and in addition to that you tried, you attempted to get the help for the anger or they put it upon you, right? The angry black girl in a white school, you need, you know, anger. But the fact that your father couldn't see a part of him in you and pulled you out of therapy was just interesting. So I don't want to give too much, but I just, I just, I'm telling you, I'm so nerdy about the book. (laughs) Yeah, that was funny that day. I kind of just waved to the counselor. Like I told you, like, (laughs) he didn't want nobody pointing that right back to him. 
But the angry piece is so interesting. So people, so people see teenagers, right? And they're like, they always angry at the same at the time. They, you know, they have an attitude. They're this, they're that. There's always a deeper emotion to that anger. Look past the anger and and try to focus on what deeply is going inside of you. So, you know, how did you move past the anger phase? Because the anger could linger for years. Ooh. Well, I had other things happen in my life, which will would be the part two part, but so that anger kind of continued, but the anger from what I experienced as a child, like that, I probably carried that to my early thirties when I started, you know, getting a professional counseling, but man, I was, my life could be so much different and would have been really different had I not been so angry. The anger, what I noticed made me numb. It made me numb to the human side of life, to to people's feelings. I was so angry. I didn't care. I was indifferent. And because I couldn't see or care about anyone else, because I, I I mean, I didn't trust anybody. I hated everybody, um, especially men. I like, I just, I made decisions that didn't calculate or didn't, include me cognitively thinking of others in the regard of their feelings. Mm-hmm. And so I was reckless and I take full accountability for the hurt. I was hurting and I was walking around hurting other people. And I think, you know, just a, you know, just a, a few years ago, I heard a pastor say, you need to look past like that. You may see someone hurting you. They may be yelling. They may be inflicting pain, whatever it is that they're trying to do, but they're hurting and maybe try to look past their hurt and understand their pain. Yes. And that's yeah. something that I've started to, to do. And I've taken that with me because had I done that when learned to do that, I should say, and think of life in that way, I don't think I, would have made some of the choices that I did. So your story really sat for me because I've shared in my podcast that I'm also a survivor of uh, sexual abuse from a family member. And reading your story, you know, you could tell you in your healing journey because I didn't have to put it down and I didn't have tears, but it also still, it, you know, still when you're doing your work and you still, is a family member, so it's hard, right? <laughs> when it's family, it's family. It's like you could never fully, fully get away from from, from them. The bravery in you sharing it, um, I, I give you the ultimate kudos because it's hard when when we run at the you you talk about so many different things. So in in your story, you talk about how black families protect their families. Period. You talk about preachers' kids protect their families. You talk about how the neighbor look the neighborhoods look away. You talk about so many things that impact so many different people. Why people don't understand people of color, black and indigenous women of color, or, or survivors that. Our story is not easy to tell. We can't just turn around and be like, hey, Tom, Dick, and Harry, I, uh, someone just touched me. So uh, you come over here and help me. No, your family's thought that you, you best not say nothing right. about coming out this house. But right. these days, you're, you, you have loyalty to your family. And the fact that you still had loyalty, you still protected because it's conflicting. And this is what people don't understand is that when you are a survivor of incest, is that you're going to have conflicting feelings because how could my sibling do this to me? Your body responses, and thank you for saying that in your book, because people still feel conflicted. Well, if, if, 
And I'm sorry to get graphic, but if you came or if you felt aroused, then you liked it. That's not true. Your body is physically programmed to feel good with those things. The mind-body experience is totally different. You're, you, you, the, the body knows that at five, six, seven, eight, nine years old, you're not supposed to experience these things. And in reading the story, I kept thinking, what happened to her sister? Who touched her? Who did what to her that she had this anger and that she did it to Birdie? It's all I kept, it, it's, I kept thinking, of course, I kept thinking of you because your story resonated so much with me. And I also just kept thinking, what happened to her? Who touched her? Yeah. Who did this to her that she felt she had to do this? And it's interesting, though, is that she had a strong reaction to your brother trying to attempt to do something. Right. Which was probably conflicting for her as well. So I, I want listeners to understand that when we talk about complex trauma, uh, sexual abuse, surviving sexual abuse, there's so many multifaceted prongs to it. There's not one approach to it. There's not one experience. There's multiple experiences and multiple things layered upon layered upon layered that can impact someone and your bravery. I just want to commend you, Bertie, your bravery to put that down there, to put your family's business out there. Whether you guys have a good relationship, trying to build a relationship, the anger, your healing, whatever phase you're at, at the end of the day, you could be angry and someone is still going to be in a protective stance. And I commend you. And I'm I, that's why I was so excited last night. I know I emailed you so late, but I'm like, I can't wait for tomorrow for the start because just you sat with me so you, it's so impactfully. Like you, people just gotta get the book. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to give up too much. I don't want to <laughs> give up too much. So I'm here, like I can't say. You know, when you got gossip to tell somebody, but you can't because Jesus, like, no, you're not supposed to be gossiping. So you like, let's <laughs> <laughs> see. That's why I want to get the story out there, and I've invested to to do so. Um, a lot of people don't know, like, writing a book is not a get rich quick type thing. Like, no. you are putting your money, your money, your, it's your yeah, investment. your yeah. resources yeah. into getting it out. So mm-hmm. it's just like. I wanted to, like my heart, that's my ministry. I wanted to get it out there because there's so many people that are dealing with it and it didn't break me down. Yes, I went through, I was angry. I have, you know, emotions that are, I express because at first like when I didn't have a voice, now I have a voice and I found that and I'm able to like really be expressive. Like you're, no one's going to do this, you know, to me anymore. And I want everyone to know too, though, because I did say it at the end of the book, I didn't just put my family's business out there mm-hmm. without a first. Right. This is happening. I need right. to address it with my family and <laughs> let them know. And my sisters fully supported me from my older sister to my younger sister. They were like, we understand. And, you know, to do the, the thing I needed to do in order to kind of heal. Mm-hmm. Or to heal, and of course, my dad didn't understand, and he was just like uh, shared with me that I could have um, shared this with him instead of with the world. And I'm like, I've tried over so many years, but at the end of the day, Dad, I want you to read my book, <laughs> right? And I want you to hear what I've been trying to say to you. Um, my experience of you, yes, my experience as a child. Yes. The experience is different as a parent, but as a exactly. child, it's different. Yes. Yeah. And just hear me. So I don't know when we'll have that, you know, reconciliation conversation. 
But right now, I mean, I'm open to it. And the other thing, you know, with, with my dad and, and just to, to share with parents, you, it's important that when your child comes to you, even if it's later on in life after the event has occurred, or if it's then and they have the bravery to speak then, you have to listen. You have to listen to them and then you have to validate what they're saying. Don't tell them it's not true or don't tell them, well, you know, make them feel as if, you know, they're crazy for feeling that way. It wasn't your, your, your experience. You didn't walk in your child's shoes. So you, so essentially you have, a you know, in, in my situation, my dad judged me and used that judgment instead of loving me and validating me. So what if I came to him and I said, dad, I did, you know, especially, you know, the, the beatings, like if I, if dad, after I got that crazy beating, it was like, I, it, it was, there was no, there was an, I'm sorry, but yeah. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, so when anything after that, <laughs> before that, but it just got erased, like, you're not really sorry. So it's just like, that's why I carried so much anger towards him. And he just turned into from Superman to like Dr. Evil. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just like so many much. I, I did. I, I tried to tell my dad, but, but at the end of the day, I had to tell him as well. It's not about him because the book really isn't all about him. No, it's not. about my experiences and how I dealt with those experiences. And it's beyond him, but him and I still have unfinished business. And that's what I really want to focus on. So when it comes to the art of healing, if you're brave enough and you're, you're an adult and you need to go back and heal with your parents, you have to face it. You have to face it. You have to have the conversation with my dad. I'm going to choose to have that conversation when he's ready after he's now heard me. But yeah, you have to have the conversation and just you don't have to check it up. Exactly. <laughs> you know, so you can power through it, power through that moment, power through that conversation, and then you can level up. So can you explain, I'm all about generational trauma. I've had an episode about generational trauma. It is a passion of mine, intergenerational trauma. What has that taught you on, with your own experience? Have you been able to, because again, I was dissecting that book as a therapist. I was like, what mama been through, why mama taking it from daddy. Daddy, you's angry. What you been through? Who done beat you? Who you lost? What happened to sissy? And then I think about your younger sister experience that it was just like oblivious. What happened? What happened? It, it's me. It's what happened to you. That that That's how I like approached each and every family member. But, you know, what has this this taught you and your about your own experiences okay so I still don't know what's happened in my dad's life um I get bits and pieces from other family members you know my uncle passed but he was the one that had more of a understanding of what happened with my dad's childhood so I'm like I've tried to ask him but it's like I'm the child he's the parent and that's not, you know, a negotiable, non-negotiable conversation. It was not a topic we're not having. And it's I'm like, it's place. right. <laughs> As an adult, I'm still needing to take my place. I'm like, okay, this is not going to work. But I'm just like, you know, but from, you know, what I hear, you know, I, my heart goes out to my dad because 
I you know I I feel for what whatever he could have gone through, but apparently there are some there's some hurt, there's some 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 pain there, hey. and so from him and what he experienced to moving you know above like my grandfather who was in the you know he fought in the war to his father you know and then on my mom's side you know my my great great grandmother she walked the trail of tears and because my mom's full-blooded indian she's uh chickasaw cherokee and uh blackfeet so she's got a mixture of indian but she's she's full-blooded so i'm half you know i'm half and half Mm -hmm. and so when i did that i did that with a counselor we kind of looked at the generational pain that's been passed down i looked at it bigger than even me i looked at it as as a nation we are at the boiling point <laughs> because we like, and I was just telling someone this yesterday um, in, a, in another interview I was doing, it was a white gentleman that was interviewing me. And I said, listen, I said, you're not a master. You haven't beat any slaves and I'm not a slave and I haven't been beaten, but we're still answering <laughs> and holding each other accountable for something that happened so long ago. But it's because the mentalities, um, the social attitude have been passed down from generation to generation. And then he explained to me that his grandfather died at 93 years old a few years ago. And no, no, not even a few years ago. It's when the levees broke and it was on. Uh, New Orleans was going through that. And he said that his grandfather just started crying. And he says, you know, because everyone knew he didn't like black people. He says, and he saw what was happening, you know, to, to black people in New Orleans. And he said, I don't know. I couldn't tell you why I've never liked a black person. It's just something that's always been in our family. We couldn't do it. Mm. But I couldn't tell you why. He said, and those people deserve to live. Those they're, they're just trying to kill those people. And so he was repeating back what he heard. And I said, absolutely. It shows the societal generational pain that's being passed down through our generations from, from our ancestors and we're, and we're still going head to head and it's got to stop enough. Mm-hmm. And we have to, this is happening. We have to address it <laughs> and we have to move forward. That's the only way we can stop going back in the past. Cause I feel like we're in a vicious cycle of healing. Vicious. Vicious. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> 30. So you started working through your trauma well into adulthood, like most of us do, right? We don't, we don't understand what's going on because we just, we just show up mad until, you know, it starts impacting how we show up at work or with our children or how we enter into relationships. So what advice would you give to others who are starting their work to heal trauma? So the advice I would give to start the work to heal trauma is using outlets, using outlets and they consist of a variety of things so one outlet could be you know for me still as an adult and when I use when I was little I game so I'm a gamer so I take myself out of reality and and put myself in another reality and I can conquer right Mm -hmm. but at the same time that I'm doing that I'm also thinking and organizing thoughts and able to come out of that and make decisions I don't know why it just happens, <laughs> but that's what I've been doing since I was little. Mm-hmm. It may not be for someone else. So another outlet that I use is um, I love working out and, and running. I love 
uh, adult coloring. And I would say the number one um, outlet that I, I use that really, really helped me start differentiating my emotions and feelings was professional counseling. And in the black community, a lot of people are like, I'm not going to a counselor. I ain't crazy. <laughs> like, I just had this discussion with someone I was a guest on her podcast and I was like, we need to demystify what mental health is. And I think because what you said in your book is the same story that every single person of color has had to hear is that you don't share your business, but it goes deeper. It goes into our ancestors. It goes into if you say something of NASA and this and that, like it just goes deeper than that. But we just changed the messaging, but it goes all the way to that. It goes really it all the way to that. It does. But thank you for saying that. Yeah, we, we, we gotta get therapy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you do. And and yes, I will say, be honest, I was against it because I did feel like, well, I'm not crazy, you know? Mm-hmm. But that that was just a social attitude that was passed down to me. And when I realized that it had to just give it a try, it did feel funny sitting in front of someone who didn't know me and then sharing things that, I wouldn't share with, with anyone at the time, but I kept thinking, you know what? That was a key thing I kept going back to. This person doesn't know me. And so I can share and they have no reason to judge, but they gave me sound advice. And so, and things to work on. And so I appreciated that from that, that viewpoint and I could leave and go back and have the security of knowing that and and peace of mind of knowing that, okay, this person doesn't know anybody in my life, so they can't go back and be like, such and such. such. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's why I kept going because there there was a, no you know, cathartic healing moment in there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Bertie, your book, where can people find the book? Where can people find you? And you know, I went to stalk you on your Instagram, so I'm already <laughs> following you on your Instagram. So tell me. <laughs> People, you guys have to read this book. I'm telling you from so many different approaches, just your vulnerability, sharing your story through incest, rape, losing the love of your life. I was like, oh, D, D, oh, D. But, you know, things happen, right? (laughs) (laughs) Things happen. And then I was like, daddy, why you have to mess that up? Anyways, where can people find you? Where can people find your book, Birdie? Okay, so you can find the book. It's on... Uh, there's an ebook, paperback, hardcover, and, and aud- audible for those who like to just listen in the car. And that is on Amazon.com. Sorry, I drew a blank. Um, Amazon.com. And then on birdieland.com, which is my website, that's B-Y-R-D-Y-L-Y-N-N.com. They can actually go. Um, I created just like, I wanted to create an experience. So there's promotional swag on there. I have a night a, a logo for Birdie Land. It's it's an empowering um, face of a woman with a butterfly, and she's all connected. We're all connected. I like that, and I just I put her on some of my favorite things. I like beach bags and coffee cups because I like tea and just you know stuff that I think women w- would like. And they're unisex in case the guys want some too for the hoodies. And and then I have a workbook, which is the most important thing to me. The workbook is it, going over the steps that I took. I have some fun outlets in there, like uh, adult coloring pages, that um, empowering ones. And you can put together a collage. You can do a vision board. Like All of that's in there. And, you know, and then also I take on each 
each chapter and ask questions to kind of go uh, do a deeper dive and, and push past like, you know, pr- thought provoking questions. And then there are, there's a survey because in the beginning, I want to know and assess where are you at? Do you feel like you've experienced trauma? And by the end of my book, and when you go through the chapters, we're going to have the same survey. Do you feel that you experienced trauma? And nine times out of 10, I'm hoping that when people are honest and when what triggers them to think back, that they'll be able to assess, you know what I have and I need, there's some healing I need to do. So I'm excited about that workbook. It's not on Amazon yet, but it is on my website. And I definitely want to get that out to women and women groups, church groups, that they could pair that with the book. And because that's my heart is we need to heal. I think the more of us that heal, we are going to be. And, and what I say to everyone now, power through, level up to the bold, beautiful you. Yes, I love it. I love it. I love it. Oh, Bertie, thank you so much for spending this time with me. I am so humbled by you. Love your energy and feel connected to you without even knowing you, right? Because like I said, your story is, is your parts of your story are my story. And I'm so thankful that you took this time to share your story, not only on Amazon and through your book, but even here for the listeners to know that you know what, no matter what, I've experienced these things, but I am healing. And that's, that's the purpose of, you know, the Beauty is Me podcast is how do we find inner beauty despite all the things that we have going on. So thank you. Thank you. So humble. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. I hope this episode fed your soul. Please be sure to download new episodes. You can also head on over to rate, review, and subscribe. For more updates, find us at www.iambeauteousme.com or on Instagram at iambeauteousme. Don't forget to use the hashtag beauteousmepodcast for your feedback.